I'm Shauna Van Bogart, and this is Just Being Seen. My colleague and dear friend Michael and I were out to lunch. If you didn't listen to the previous episode, Michael was the guest in episode 10, so go back and listen. And as we were out to lunch, he was reviewing some of my branding and looking over my website, so I had my laptop up. This was at a period of time not long after I had kind of burned everything to the ground in my previous career and started totally fresh, re-entering exclusively into the coaching space. Again, season one talked heavily about this journey. I won't go into it here. And I did not do any kind of fancy branding when I did that. When I burned everything to the ground, including all of my fancy branded assets, and I decided I wanted to start totally fresh and do it my way and keep things simple, everything was just DIY. And I was ready to formalize myself. I was ready to step into a home base, if you want to call it that. That's how I kind of view branding is like I wanted my stuff to live in a home that felt like me. And so as we were reviewing the DIY website that I had built for myself, like just an old Squarespace website, I was using old photos of me. These photos were taken from the previous iterations of my business, but they were there. So obviously very easy to use and very beautiful photos. They were professional photos taken by a photographer. I looked great. I was well-dressed, et cetera. And Michael said to me one of the most profound things that I can't unsee once he pointed it out. He was looking at my hero image on my website. For those of you that don't know, the hero image is the very top spanning image. It's usually a very horizontal image at the top of a website above the fold. And it was of me in a cute dress. And he said, Shauna, you look like you're playing business. I did not take offense to it. I knew exactly that he was speaking about my energy. He was speaking about a disconnect between who it is that he knew me as, his experience of me, his experience of my value, and then what was being relayed in that photo. And again, this was a photo from earlier when I was certainly not in my value and had not made this big self-transformation. And he essentially meant by that that You look like someone who is more focused on proving herself and proving that you're valuable than you are deeply grounded in your impact. When I asked him to go just a little bit deeper to make sure that I was really grounding into this wisdom he was offering me, this woman had walked into the cafe that we were in and he kind of quietly pointed to her and he said, you know her? Like, look at her. She's really well-dressed, like pair of heels, cute outfit on. And he said, can you see and feel how she feels like she's playing business? Like it's not about per se what you're wearing or what you're doing. There's an energy about it that says, I'm not here doing serious work. The energy behind it is I'm here trying to prove that I have serious work to offer the world. I asked him if he remembered that moment. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, it's wild. Ever since that conversation, I have been able to identify that with people. And I had to say it to one of my very close friends. And he talks about it all the time. I had to say to him, I go, hey, you're showing up and you're playing business owner. You're playing business. And 
that what that really communicates is that you don't take yourself seriously. It's funny because I feel the exact same way about not being able to unsee it. And if you've worked with me, I might have said this to you too when I see it, because now you can, you can, you can see the energy, you can see it behind the photos, you can sense it in other people. This was really important because it wasn't so much about branding. I mean, it was a spotlight on, hey, you probably need to get some new photos taken, but there was still a little bit of work to do because I had made this big shift there was this big turning point that had happened within me. I did burn everything to the ground and like really started to honor my own selfishness about what I wanted my business to look like and how I wanted to feel in my business. I wanted to enjoy myself again. And I was doing all of those things and I was getting a lot of impact. I had a lot of great testimonials happening. I was really thriving. Like I was in a really good flow at this time period. But what he was picking up on was that it was time to really integrate on a deeper level of service. And really what Michael was pointing out was maybe I wasn't yet trusting myself to really go there. He was picking up on just a little bit of remnant fear. There was so much tension from the transformation that I had put myself through that I really did not want to ever return to that state again where I was so disconnected from myself and then thus my business. Here's the like paradox of this all. So the reason why we should think about ourselves in the first place is because if we don't and we don't have what we need for ourselves, we'll be listening to people thinking about ourselves. And what I mean by that is this. I don't have what I need. And a client comes to me and they're telling me this, that, and the other in my mind, for instance, say I don't have a plan for making money. And so I have a potential client come to me. And so they're talking to me about their needs in my mind. I'm saying, well, how can I make this sale? How can I get them to sign on as a client opposed to being of service? And then maybe I'll say, well, let me give you this proposal. And I give them the proposal and they go, well, that's not my budget because now I'm listening to them. And saying, okay, I hear them, but I also need to make the sale and that's my priority. Then I cheapen myself because I'm thinking about myself again in that. Opposed to saying, hey, I can assess that you need my services, but before you need my services, you need to secure yourself financially because my services cost what they cost. But when I'm listening to people and thinking about myself, actually, that's real selfishness. Selfishness is not thinking about yourself first. It's actually hearing people trying to serve their needs while simultaneously thinking about yourself and serving yourself, if that makes sense. Service at the sacrifice of self is service that's watered down. And what Michael is saying is, If you need money and a client comes to you, you're focused not on them, but you're focused on getting the money from them. And it can force you to take responses where you water yourself down. So for example, one of the responses that comes out of this place is that you discount your services to get the sale. And that rarely goes well because you've bent you shape-shifted, it causes resentful feelings, and because it's not what you've intended for yourself or your business, now you will require more, right? Because you've discounted. So you didn't get the full value of your service, so you're going to need more clients. You need to make up for that elsewhere. So it always puts you in the seeking position, a perpetual seeking position. And the clients don't get the best of you. They get the watered-down version of you, The you that gave in, the you that bent, the you that's in an energy of lack 
when you've sacrificed your intentions for your service to try to make the money and appease the customer and the client. For me, the need was not to make money. My need was to have it done my way because I just came out of a season where nothing was done my way. All of it was shooting. All of it was obligation. All of it was what the experts were saying. This is how it needed to be done. And I was experiencing the positive results of honoring myself, of doing things my way. But when the pendulum swings to the other side, it can cause another form of rigidity. And that was kind of the friction I was bumping up against. I kind of had some pretty hard set boundaries because of my previous experience. And this was about coming into balance. Part of the the, the mentality framework that I, that I do in my business is dealing with value, right? I say that you're the sum total of your values. And so whatever you value is your value because that's a part of who you are. And so if you're able to connect to what you value, what's valuable to you, you're also able to deliver that so that you don't have to show up and prove yourself. You can just be who you are because that in and of itself is your value. What I was valuing in this moment was myself. I was so depleted before, I didn't even know where I was in my business. And how could I really be seen if I couldn't even see myself in my own company? When I was meeting with Michael, now I was really seeing myself. And a lot of the work that I did with Michael was about determining my appropriate and my most authentic values. And he helped me come back into balance with myself. I don't know how long I would have gone on this way, but allowing others to hold up that mirror can really speed up the process. I think that's why it's necessary, shameless plug, to have people like yourself, right? I think it's it's invaluable, as a matter of fact, not just valuable, it's invaluable to have people like yourself because we do need outside perspective. Um, I think it was you that said, we've never really seen ourselves. We've only seen a reflection of ourselves. Um, and maybe you didn't say that, but it sounds like something brilliant you would say. Like, like quite literally, I have never seen myself. I've only ever looked in the mirror and seen the reflection of me. That's a big thing to know. And, you know, oftentimes we deal with dysmorphia, not just physically, but in terms of when we see ourselves professionally, when we should see ourselves in relationships, we see ourselves with this sense of dysmorphia where we don't really you know, know who we are. So there's value in that. However, uh, how do we know that for ourselves? Sometimes when I would work with image consulting clients, I would have clients who went through a lot of weight loss and they would look in the mirror and they would not be able to integrate with where they were truly at. They couldn't see the results of their hard work. This is a form of body dysmorphia where what's in the mirror to them is not their reality. They're still kind of anchored in the past version of themselves. This is the lesson of the work I do with my clients. If you've been on any of my calls, workshops, or webinars, you've heard me say that the friction, the gap you think is there between where you're at and what you're saying you want is not because you have more fixing to do on yourself. It's because you're actually further down the road than you think, but you keep trying to squish yourself back into a box that's before, that's too small for you at this point, that's in your past. And to be honest, I've never not seen it this way. I've never not seen that this is the truth of the matter that is this friction a client is facing. If you're a seasoned business owner, Your business is likely uncomfortable at this point, not because you're not working, 
but because it's not for you in that way anymore. When we talk about alignment, I find most business owners are viewing that as something that they need to grow into, especially around money. If I ask them, why do you think you don't have the money that you're after in your business? They'd probably list all the strategies they're not doing enough of, or their mindset is not enough, or they've got more work to do on their self-worth. The underlying pattern is they're not enough. What Michael and I are saying is that your not enoughness has prompted you to overcorrect. It's caused you to overperform. You're overachieving more, more, more. You've moored all over your business and it's not working because you've lost the truth of who you are and where you're actually at in all the mooring. I often use the example of polishing a diamond with my clients. Diamonds are rough by nature. It's a man-made process of polishing them that creates their beauty. But if you take that process too far, if you polish a diamond too much, it can be destroyed. I think we have to sit down with ourselves. I think something that we don't do is sit with ourselves. I think for a business owner, the best thing you can do, you know, and I, and I think I said this to you before that, you know, the whole reorganization of my business happened through journaling and I was able to tap into, you know, parts of my value and my values because I sat with myself and I journaled. And I think that's an ongoing journey. I think part of the way that we continue to see the value is when we feel misaligned, the automatic thing should really be to go, wait a minute, I need a moment with myself, not just for myself, but a moment with myself because I need that perspective. And if I'm not able to get that perspective, that's where mentors and coaches and things like that show up so that you can go, hey, I'm having trouble seeing it. Because you do yourself a disservice to show up in a space and you feel misaligned. That just does you a great disservice in your business and just personally, because then you'll start questioning who you are, questioning your value, questioning your validity, your authenticity, all that. So what if when things aren't going the way that you want, what if you step back and you realize that you're actually getting what you value? Because the values in our life dictate our behavior, our actions, our thoughts, And the universe seeks to make you right. A really good example I give all the time is when I'm working with a business owner who is overwhelmed and they're trying to make more money, but they're overwhelmed. The predominant message between those two things, the value is on overwhelm. I'm overwhelmed. I'm overwhelmed. And that is almost like the signal that goes out. I'm overwhelmed. I'm overwhelmed. I'm overwhelmed. And because the belief underneath that is working hard is what gets me more money or working hard is what gets me success, at least that's the likely belief that's there, the universe honors you and the universe mirrors you and the universe goes, you're right. You're right. You're overwhelmed. You're right. And it's not going to honor sending you more money if more money is predicated on you working harder and that's the rule you're operating by. Because why would a universe send you more money when you're already overwhelmed? Why would a universe, a loving, kind universe, send you more money that you think only comes through hard work when you're at max capacity right now? So an excellent place to start is by using what's happening outside of you, your circumstances, your reality, to get clear on what the universe is seeing. Use your reality as a mirror to your values because what you say you value might not actually be the driving subconscious value. What is showing up is a reflection of your values. 
we are so good as human beings. We are so good at playing the get along game. We're so good at it. Like we'll show up and we'll do all the things. We will do all the things and be completely disconnected from it. And I think that's the reason why we have to sit with ourselves because, you know, I say this about myself. I really learned how to operate over chaos. Going back to me pastoring, I would go up and I would preach and I would talk to people and counsel with people. I would, you know, be there with people and show up for people. And I'm going through an existential crisis at the time, you know, but I'm showing up because I know how to play the role. Something as simple as when we're told as children, don't cry. But, but that's the authentic expression that I'm having right now. Now, you can teach me tools beyond this, but I am entitled to have this moment of this is what I feel. And I think when we learn that in whatever way, and, and I'm using that as an example, but whenever we learn that and we adapt those behaviors, then we get into a place where even in our businesses where we're going, I've been misaligned. And instead of sitting in that moment and going, okay, where's the misalignment? Why am I feeling this way? We just work over, work over. And so we're doing things. And so now we're showing up as somebody who's doing the things, but not in the authority of it because we're actually disconnected from it. So just as Michael offered me a lightning bolt moment, there was a time period after that when we were in New York together. And in the morning, we did an entire process that Michael calls an identity storyboarding process. It's one of his signature processes to help you get at the core of your identity so that you can use that to create an identity aligned business. And after we had that session, we went out to lunch and we got onto the topic of money. And so I was challenging him around the concept of infinite abundance. And I asked him, do you believe that you're infinitely abundant? And he firmly with conviction said, yes, I do. And I just intuited in that moment, I just got hit with this wave of Shauna, pull out the money that's in your wallet and challenge that like as a as a learning experience as a growth experience i never have cash in my wallet i just so happen to have a 50 dollar bill that had probably been in my wallet for months and i just knew to pull it out and i put it on the table and i put my fingers on it and i slid it across the table to him and i said okay i'm giving you this 50 dollars." and he looked at me like but why why are you giving this to me? And I said, I just want to give it to you. I just want to give you this $50. And I was at first just challenging his reaction to being given abundance, right? I mean, money in its form, it's simply a piece of paper, but its symbolism is that it's financial means, it's money. And so I slid it across the table and I could see the look on his face was fleeting. No, you can't do that. This is $50. I'm taking something from you, even though I'm giving it to you. And so we had that moment that we kind of talked through, right? And what I was trying to get at with him was it's so easy for us in our minds to come up with these affirmations and these mantras and these values that we say we want to follow. But being it is another thing. You'll know it when you use your experiences that trigger you to see where those gaps are. And so he was realizing a gap there. But then I decided to take it even further. And I said to him, okay, so you still believe you're infinitely abundant? And he said, yes. And I said, then rip that up. And if you could have been there while this was going down, it looked as if I had just told him that there was a ghost standing behind him. I mean, his eyes were wide. He's looking at me like, you want me to rip this $50 up? And I said, yeah, I want you to rip it up. 
And we had had a few cocktails at the time, by the way. And so I was a little bit more um, expressive and a little bit more convicted in what I was saying. But I was like, yes, I want you to rip it up. And he was giving pushback and he was saying, but, 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 but I could use it for this and I could give it to someone and this could pay for our lunch. And I was like, yeah, it could. But you're saying you're infinitely abundant. And if you really knew that all the way down to your core, you would know that money's always flowing to you. So it's no big deal what you do with this $50. And again, you can't just move through this exercise with just anyone. You have to be in a position of open-mindedness to challenge your beliefs, to challenge your actions and your behavior. And it's funny because we've gotten a lot of pushback when we've talked about this experience. People are saying that is such a disrespect to money and that's such a disrespect for people who don't have it. And the interesting thing is, well, Michael never even had the $50 to begin with. I gave it to him and it's my choice how I want to use that money, right? And in that moment for me, I felt there was a really powerful choice here to use money, to sacrifice it, to have him rip it up so that he could integrate with a really powerful lesson. And isn't him stepping into his abundance and the truth of that way more impactful in the world than keeping that $50 around. And so I finally get him to a point where I asked him, what is going to happen if you rip that $50 up? And he finally looks at me and gave me the correct answer, which was a piece of paper will be torn. And then he proceeded to rip it up. And the look on his face and the energy, I mean, he was laughing, but kind of on the verge of crying, kind of on the verge of just like, what is happening right now? And it was a really powerful moment for both of us. My family brings that up so frequently, literally over a holiday uh, recently, my mother goes, who is that 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 had you rip up the money? Like it's a thing. It's a, it's a thing. Uh, so you have created a monumental moment in my life. Just FYI. But let me say, in that moment, it caused me to reassess value. Because you're like, do you believe that you're infinitely abundant? I was like, absolutely, I do. <laughs> yeah, I believe I'm infinitely abundant. And in theory, yes, I believed it. But when I had the money in my hand tangibly, it wasn't, here's the other part. Here, here's the part that's like bonkers to me that it wasn't even my money. So I'm not even at a loss. And so there's that part. But then you're asking, are you, do you believe that you're infinitely abundant? I'm like, yeah, I believe I'm infinitely abundant. And you're like, well, rip it. And I'm like, eh, eh. and what actually happened in that moment for me, I realized that I thought that I was abundant you know, that I believed that I was abundant, but what I really believed is that I was going to have money at some point. That's really what I believed that at some point I was going to have money. But the caveat is I don't now, I don't have the money that I desire now. And therefore I'm very much attached to and married to money. And that's really what that moment was for me, because now I'm showing up saying that I believe I'm infinitely abundant, but my mind was not conditioned for abundance. It was conditioned for money. Wow, 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 wow. When you are after money, that's your predominant focus in your business. You are not sending the signal that you are available for service or for impact. Now, depending on the nature of your business, that might be okay. Like that might not be an issue, but I'm going to assume that most people that are listening to this podcast are in some kind of service. They're here to make a difference. They care about the impact of their work. And so if that is the primary thing that you are focused on, then 
you are sending the signal that you're not available for impact. Now, be careful to not take this as hearing a say that you can't desire money because, of course, that's not true. That's not what we're saying. I believe in both desire for money and for impact, and those things absolutely can coexist. We're asking you to be very careful that you're not overly focused on the not having it. This work gets so subtle as we go along in our journeys of self-growth. And if you can master the subtleties of all of this, you're in a really good position. That torn piece of $50 bill is still in my wallet now. Uh, It's still in my wallet now. Um, But what that did for me is cause me to consciously question where my value lies. And what I mean by that is, okay, I say this, I say that I value this. I say that this is where value is found for me. But now I have to move into a place where I challenge that. Do I really? And what ended up happening is actually is that life started challenging me, right? When it came time for me to reconfigure my business and you said to me, well, who do you want to serve? And I could not answer the question because my values had shifted to the point where it was requiring me to redo my business. But ultimately what it ended up causing me to do is to redo my life, which I did not know that it was going to do. I don't know why I didn't know that. And what started happening was at that moment, I had clients who wanted me to do what I was doing previously, which was the branding, that whole world. And I was challenging that moment with value. Clear your roster. Clear your roster. Because what I found out is that the moment that you have this uh, moment of clarity, you're immediately put it in a position to be challenged by it. And so for me, it wasn't like I had this epiphany and then all of a sudden I changed. It was that showed up for me. You challenged me in that way. And then in life and a real life situation that was like have money, don't have money or whatever. It caused me to confront it. And each time I had to make the decision to lean into what I actually value, which was the abundance and to say, Hey, money's a result of, the abundance. It is not itself the abundance innately. When we have these breakthrough moments, it's really easy to be like, now what? We want to problem solve it. We want to immediately go into what do I do next? It's so important you allow yourself to be challenged to work the muscle of this new perspective, because this is how you get back into real alignment with the values that you intend for yourself. This reminds me of a comment that I got from one participant in Mind Over Matter. She was talking about how she realized through the work that we were doing that she is definitely putting herself last. She's constantly giving to others. She's sacrificing herself. She's not putting her desires first. And of course, there's this need like, okay, well, now what? And now what do I do? And I say to her and I say to all program participants, the first key is just taking notice of where it's showing up because by very nature of observing a dynamic within you that's unhelpful or something that you desire to change, you are already shifting it. You are already putting real power behind it. And so I said, take notice of where that's showing up. And then from that expanded place, you choose to respond differently. And so it wasn't long after that that she posted in the group an update where she said, I failed at keeping the kitchen clean, but I chose to fail at keeping the kitchen clean because I'm deciding to put myself first. And so that is what got sacrificed. On my notebook, I literally wrote down, I'll sacrifice the kitchen and all week I did so. My husband, Thursday night, offered to clean the kitchen. 
Y'all, my husband is not the clean the kitchen type whatsoever. Similarly, he took my vehicle Saturday morning to run an errand and he washed it and he vacuumed it for me. I am receiving all of this very well. Isn't it interesting how when we put ourselves back at the top of the list, how other people seem to pick up the slack that we tell ourselves is so important and that it has to be done by me because if it's not done by me, other people won't do it. So I implore you to look at where you are sacrificing yourself and where you might be getting into some assumptions and some stories that might not exactly be true. Once we say that we want to be something or say this is who we are and this is how we see ourselves and where we see ourselves being, guess what? Once we say that, those words are going to be challenged, so to speak, because now we're going to have to take the corresponding actions or, you know, the inspired actions to do those things. And sometimes we will feel inspired to do a thing. And then we get to the door of the thing and we're like, wait a minute, wait a minute, because what is it going to cause me to do? It's going to cause me just like when I made that transition from, you know, church to where I am now, whatever you want to consider this. But when I made that transition is like, what am I going to have to leave behind? And then what am I going to have to experience in order to get to that space? And that's usually the part where I would get hung up is like, man, I don't want to disappoint people. That was always it for me. Because when you, when you make changes and shifts, like even with working with the clients from branding to, you know, doing the identity strategy, I'm disappointing clients now who love the work that I did there, but that's no longer where I identify. And so that whole part of like disappointing people always showed up and even dealing with internal disappointment myself, that always is that moment for me. And I have to challenge that every single time. Hey, be disappointed and let people be disappointed. If you can make peace with change, if you can make yourself comfortable with change, you are in an excellent position to reap all the rewards that your life is designed to give you. A lot of times our resistance for why we don't pursue abundance or our actual desires are simply because of the dynamics that come with any kind of change. Any kind of change is a shakeup. It shakes up your relationships. It shakes up your household. It shakes up the roles and the obligations that existed in the relationships. And the relationship has existed in such a way because Each person contributes to that and plays a specific role. It's like codependency works if the other person's also playing into it. If one person starts working on their codependent nature and breaking free from that role, it's also going to disrupt the other person because they're used to those dynamics being at play. Here's a powerful analogy to get the ball across the line here. If someone is sleeping in the dark, it's the middle of the night, and you come into the room and you flip the light on, that person is going to feel a sharpness, an intensity, as the light comes on into that dark room because they were comfortable in the dark. Their eyes were adjusted to the dark. So when that light comes on, it's going to feel uncomfortable. But here's the thing you have to remember. You have to trust and know that that person's eyes are designed in a way where they can adjust to the light. You stepping into your light is going to be disruptive. You stepping into the light is going to be uncomfortable for people at first. You have to understand that some of these dynamics are just going to be there by nature of change. It doesn't mean they're against you. It doesn't mean that they're 
not wanting you to be that way. It doesn't mean anything per se about them or about you. It's just the nature of transformation. It's just the nature of a light coming on when it's previously been pitch black. If you can remember that people have it in them by design or their eyes to adjust to the light and you just step into the trust of that, it will allow you to be able to stay in your lane of expansion versus feeling that overwhelming desire, let's say, on a subconscious level to retract back to that safe place. So people like yourself and and me, we've committed so much to like, hey, I'm going to be exactly who it is that I am, that our changes seem sometimes frequent and they seem just major. But that's what quantum leaps look like, right? Ironically, one of my favorite quotes from a theologian, uh, John Henry Newman, who said, to live is to change and to be perfect is to have changed often. The truth of the matter is, is that that's the journey that you're on in identity is you're ever discovering who you are. And so change is not about you changing who you are, but actually evolving into more of who you are. And I think that when we get into spaces where we're just people like, okay, I'm going to do what it is that I need to do to commit to who I am because my even my business, my livelihood depends on it. You commit to it. And what that causes sometimes for people who once were like, hey, I really support you. I'm really behind you. And then it became challenging for them or the a way that I evolved challenged them. And then, you know, they drift into the abyss. And so that's just something that I have to face. It's like, hey, they're going to have to be disappointed. They're going to have to, but I'll never go without. As we've said many times over, change is so uncomfortable to our subconscious. If you are an overthinker like I am, we can stay in this place of thinking about it to get away from just sitting down and doing it differently. You know, for a lot of this stuff, once we realize an unhelpful dynamic or an old story or an old rule is at play and we want to shift, there's no 10-step program once it's realized. But this is how powerful our system is. It turns it into that. It makes us think like, oh, okay, we need to think about this and think about the approach. It turns to these other means to protect itself from change because change is the unknown. And so you can get into overthinking as a sabotage technique because you're just resisting the unknown. Overthink can be one of your biggest expenses. I once read on someone's Instagram, and I have no idea who said it, It was probably just a general statement, but they said doubt is expensive. And it sparked me to ask, what else is costing me a lot of money, time and energy? And by far, beyond doubt, overthink is at the top of the list. It costs so much money to overthink. It costs so much time and so much energy. Sometimes it probably feels to my clients or my program members that they're paying me to repeatedly tell them, you're overthinking this, you're overthinking this. And how frustrating that must be for them to hear that because I've been there myself with my own mentors in the past, but man, were they always right. They were always right that I was overthinking it. And thank you mentors of the past for beating this out of me because it has significantly changed my business to not only realize when I'm overthinking, but know how to pivot away from it. As a recovering overthinker myself, I had a hard time letting go of overanalyzing everything After years of self-work and a lot of payoffs as a result of mindfulness and awareness, it honestly never occurred to me that thinking about things could be anything but amazingly helpful. 
I've always been incredibly self-aware. I've always learned how to leverage that skill into my zone of genius and my work. But just like every form of genius, there's a light and there's a dark, and it's always about balance. Overthinking is a form of control. I should say a sense of control. We think if we can examine things from all angles, including ourselves, that we will have this clarity and responsibility in taking action moving forward. Overthinking leads us to believe we'll find the right answers, the right steps forward, and the full picture of whatever it is we're thinking about will be clear. If we can think it, we can see it, we can know it, and then it will be safe to proceed and we'll be in control. But Overthinking rarely leads us to that kind of clarity or control. In fact, the opposite. It actually gives us less sight, less knowing, more confusion, which of course, all of this feels more unsafe. So then it leads you to overthink even more. So you may be aware that you've had issues with overthinking things in your past, but you might not have realized that you've unknowingly brought that same overthinking, overanalyzing behavior into your self-help and your self-growth practice and journey. You might have camouflaged that as mindfulness. That mindfulness practice that they think is the key to unlocking more success is actually the very thing that's costing them a lot of money and energy. The kind of amazingly talented humans that I work with have been in their self-work for some time. They are not new to self-growth. And so they carry with them this fierce loyalty to bettering themselves. They know how to get vulnerable. They know the power of support. They know it's important to invest in themselves as needed. But eventually, they kind of reach a point where things start to feel stagnant again, perhaps to the same degree that it felt stagnant with all the tactical doing they were doing in their business. They feel healed in so many areas of their life as a result of their self-work, but the results aren't happening in their business like they feel they should, or they're exhausted all the time. They're saying to themselves, for all of the work that I've done on myself, why the F does it feel like there's so much strain when it comes to making more money, let's say, or widening my audience? It's like this one thing that just will not budge. And because going into a deeply reflective place within themselves has worked in the past and has worked even beyond the strategies in the past, they keep coming back to that, this mindfulness, as the strategy to fix their stagnation. So what happens is they keep saying to themselves, If I could just identify the block within me, everything will flow. If I could just find the one thing that's blocking myself up, it will get better. So they go into their minds. They're relentlessly searching through all their limiting beliefs, their thoughts, their subconscious signals to discern what could possibly still be broken and blocked within myself. Because to them, again, they have a rule that's been created as a result of success that mindfulness has gotten me things in the past So why not apply more mindfulness to this sticky area of my life or my business? Obviously, I am a believer of cultivating self-awareness and a mindfulness practice. Obviously, my entire career is based on it. Wholeheartedly, I believe this. It is built into every thread of the work that I do. But here's the thing. Awareness is not the thing that's solving your problems. It's not the awareness. What solves your problems is what true awareness gives you, 
when you're in that space. And what it gives you is a sense of detachment. When you want to point to self-awareness paying off in your life and creating shifts and you keep going back to, if I can just become aware of what's in me, my limiting beliefs, my blocks, realize it's not the ability to think about it, to witness it, that helps you get those results. It's the effect. It's the detachment it left in you in that moment that created the shift. When you have taken mindfulness too far, that is taking awareness to a hyper-awareness level, it becomes overthink. And overthink is the opposite of detachment. It becomes obsession with self-investigation and self-exploration to levels that are doing the exact opposite of what you're intending. It messes with your ability to tap into your self-worth on those deeper levels, and it constantly leaves you chasing ghosts. It certainly doesn't put you in an abundant state. It actually does the opposite. And it causes you to take a lot of what happens in your business or your life extremely personally, because then you kind of venture into a territory where you think you have full control over everything that's happening in your reality, and that's just not the case. So what is the antidote to this kind of overthink? It's discernment. It's the knowing of when it's time to dig deeper and self-explore and when it's time to simply just be aware of a thought but not engage with it. When it is a you thing and when it's just a thing that's occurring. And it's also about knowing when you're using mindfulness as self-sabotage because the real fear is receiving the very thing that you want. At some point in my journey, I had to realize that I had mastered self-awareness and more of that was not what was going to get me to the next level. It was, in fact, hindering me. I had to look at what my self-exploration was costing me and how I was making my business about my self-healing, that was a tough pill to swallow, versus the impact I had the capacity to create in this world. It's literally the same dynamic Michael was talking about when you make your business about money, you can do it on this level of self-healing as well, where you've made your business about your own personal growth. Now, if this is resonating with you, and if you're nodding your head because you're like, oh my gosh, I'm in this dynamic too. I am overanalyzing every little thing within me. I'm so hyper self-aware. Please hear what I've just said. This is not necessarily a bad thing. It only is a bad thing if it continues to cost you precious time, money, and energy. This is not one more thing you need to heal. I don't want you to hear it from that lens because that is the addictive behavior behind self-awareness. This hyper self-awareness is like, ooh, something more to heal. Ooh, something more to self-explore. If you're doing this, it just means that you've unlocked the next level because you've healed, because you're whole. The next phase of this work mastering discernment and bringing yourself into balance on this higher level of wholeness. This level requires a different mode of operating. It requires an evolved tool set, a fresh approach. That's all. So celebrate where you're at. Realize you've come to the end of this phase. You've collected and amassed this beautiful wisdom in these tools that you can pull out whenever they're needed But it's time to expand even further. And actually, it's about simplicity, believe it or not. 
And discernment makes everything easier. It is the next muscle of yours to strengthen. So you can stop muscle training your self-awareness. You can set down that weight. It's time to pick up the weight and work the muscle of discernment. It is more intense being in a place of questioning for me, being in a place where I'm grappling, like there's this level of surrender because like I will overthink and outthink myself out of things all the time. And and, and it's something like right now that I'm really having to commit to is just like, hey, just do it. Just do it. Because I think sometimes when we talk about inspired doing, we think that every single time we do something, we have to be inspired. But the inspiration already came. And so at this point, you already know there's knowing and you know what to do. But when I just lean into, hey, this is how I'm gifted. This is what I'm supposed to show up as in this time. That's so much easier than me sitting and trying to analyze and go through the thoughts of it's just like it's not a resignation and it's not ignorance. It's literally like I will know when I misaligned. I will know when it's time to pivot. And that knowing is what guides me. And like if I need to stop, I will. Like, hey, wait a minute. It is really easy to think that we're doing something wrong when we venture off onto paths that are unlike everyone else's when we're doing things that everyone else isn't doing, it can feel like you're a lone wolf. It can feel very isolating. But what if it's because you're so far beyond all that? And I don't mean beyond like in a hierarchy way of other people. I mean, what if it's because you don't need those things? What if it's because those things aren't necessary to you for where you're at because you're more powerful beyond those things? It's not because you're behind. It's not because you're struggling with anything. It's actually because you're thriving so much. Throughout my life, whenever I would deal with like bouts of depression or I would just be anxious or dealing just with complex thoughts because, you know, I'm multi-gifted, like, you know, musically, artistically, there's just all these things. And I always felt like that my giftings were in competition and in a battle. And that caused like a lot of depressive behaviors with myself. And my mother used to tell me all the time, you're exceptionally gifted, son. You're exceptionally gifted. You're exceptionally gifted. And I didn't know that exceptionally gifted was actually a thing. I thought my mom was like, being a mom was like, hey, son, you're you're gifted. And I didn't realize that until my mom started sending me articles about exceptionally gifted people. She was like, I'm talking about your IQ, sir. Like <laughs> on IQ level, you're one step below being like, super genius. She's like, let me make that clear to you. And it was in that moment. I was like, it's not about IQ. It was like, Oh, I felt so different because I am. And I think it was a moment, maybe it may have been six or seven years ago where my mom sent me this particular article and I read it and I was like, I identify with everything in it. And I said, wow, there's nothing wrong with me. There's nothing wrong with me. I'm just powerful beyond measure. There's so much noise around us it can chip away at our ability to connect with our power to see ourselves clearly if we get too swept up listening to the voices outside of ourselves. I think it's really, really important you invite people in, your coaches, but you don't hire just anyone to be your coaches or to be your mentors. Be very discerning, there's that word again, about whose voice you listen to. It's gotta be very intuitive. And realize that, Perhaps you want to find your best mentors, your best people, 
not by looking at what they're doing, because at this point, I don't look or pay attention to what other people are doing. I look at who they're being. I look at the energy behind what they're saying. I'm not even necessarily reading what they're saying or listening to what they're saying. I'm looking at who they are as a person. I'm trying to intuit what they value as a person. And I know that I trust myself to align with people that are for me, that are going to help me grow. And I surrender the rest. And I hope that's how people invest with me. I went from a place of feeling the need to be controlled to understanding my power. Because feeling controlled actually is what made me feel safe. Because that's what I was born into. And so there's been this not really even, and you know, I don't even know unfolding is the word because it's really been a realization of who I've always been. I think that's what I've been on the journey of is realizing from day one till now, you've always been this person and just more and more tapping into the dimensions of who that person is. This is about a shift of authority from leaning too heavily on external voices and turning inward to trust your own voice on deeper and deeper levels. The reason all of this is so important is because in order to show up for yourself, to show up for your business and your audience, and to show up in ways that feel like flow, that feel like you know your stuff, and that feel magnetic to your audience, this ingredient of self-trust has to be there. Do you trust yourself to know what to say, that you know your stuff, that you're okay as you are right now, wherever you're at in this journey? And do you trust that wherever you're at right now is more than enough in terms of value that you have to offer your audience? This is where self-trust comes into play because I trust myself and I trust what comes to me. And so if I trust what comes to me, I can't concern myself with what else is being said outside of me or what's being perceived outside of me. And so for me, what always gets me caught up in this becoming mode is when I am not just committing to what I already know, right? And constantly looking for the next thing to make me better. When if I say, hey, I'm good as I am. And the moment that I need to shift, I always say, uh, working with clients that who and what always shows up. And so there's a moment where I'm doing, I'm doing like when I was doing the branding stuff, it was going so well. And then there was a moment where I said, Oh, something has to change. Something has to be different. And I knew it. And so I wasn't constantly in a place going, should I be doing this? Should I be doing this? Should I be doing this? No, there's a sense of knowing even in, I know that I am where I'm supposed to be. And until something clicks with me and goes, Hey, pivot shift. And we also have to know too, that every bit of insight doesn't come to come to categorically change our lives. Sometimes we're getting information to refine who it is that we are, but not to change us. Michael often says, don't be too busy becoming you forget to just be what he's saying is that he protects his energy in a way where he's not seeking, seeking, seeking what's next. He's in his flow one step in front of the other. And until he gets nudged, there's nothing he needs to seek. He doesn't need to have a sense of hypervigilance about where he's at or questioning what's next or if he's in the right place. He trusts that he will know when and if it's time to pivot, to change, to evolve. But until he gets that nudge, he's just going to be with what's right in front of him, with what he knows he's supposed to be doing right now. Everyone wants to quantum leap, but few realize the mental fortitude and tenacity required for that. Trusting yourself on the deepest levels is not easy. 
This, like most things we've talked about, is another muscle to work. And it's hard to work and often emotional to work because in order to trust on those deeper levels, it often means feeling perhaps isolated or crazy or like you're making a mistake, especially when your decisions impact your loved ones or those around you. But when you learn to be unwavering, when you learn to ground into the evidence of all of the times where you made a move and no one else understood, but you turned out to be right, that's when you start quantum leaping. More to come next time on Just Being Seen. SVB here, hoping that you're coming off this episode inspired and challenged to see how good it can get for you in your journey to showing up and being seen in your gifts. If you're desiring the crash course to deepening into the truth of who you are and embodying that and taking action from that place, you are going to want to get on the wait list for the next round of Mind Over Matter. Head on over to shaunavanbogart.com forward slash M-O-M waitlist. And if you're loving this series, guess what? There's bonus episodes, behind the scenes video, and other discussions happening over on the Just Being Patreon community. Join in on the fun at patreon.com forward slash just being. And as always, the best compliment that you can give me in this work is to take 30 seconds to leave a review over on iTunes. Just Being is produced by Jeremy Enns and the team at Counterweight Creative. Special thanks to the variety of people who've had their hands on some aspect of this creative piece, including my featured guests, and to the right-hand women that I am honored to call my team. Kelly Elizabeth, Jess Butler, I see you, I appreciate you, and know that your support in this work is changing the lives of women around the world. <laughs>